Hi, and welcome back to I Promise It Won't Be Boring. I'm your host, Anne Verhoeven, and in each episode, my guests and I will revel in our most memorable travel adventures, discuss the highs and lows of living abroad, and lots more. I hope you've all been well, wherever you are in the world. I'm actually coming at you from London, where I moved to earlier this year from Berlin. So I have to admit that moving countries this time really took it out of me, and I am actually still settling in, which is why I needed a decent break from the podcast. But I'm back, and I've got so much stuff to chat about and explore with you all from the last few months, so I'm super pumped to be here. So one of the amazing things that happened since we last spoke is that I got the chance to reunite with my family again after years of being separated due to the pandemic. I went to Thailand for a month and I got to spend time with my parents, with my little brother and my sister-in-law, and also my best friend and her family. It was honestly so amazing and overwhelming at the same time. I'm sure if any of you have um, experienced this long period of separation from loved ones because of the pandemic or any other reason, that you can probably relate So even though it was a really full trip, um, I actually worked three out of the four weeks, which was pretty intense. But I'm thrilled that I actually managed to squeeze in a chat with my dear friend, Prue. Now, you might remember Prue from previous episodes, but in this chat, we actually got to sit and record in person. And this was my first IRL recording ever. What I really wanted to chat to Prue about was this current chapter of her life that she's living in. Uh, in Bangkok. What does her daily life look like? What has her experience been in this frenetic, fascinating city? And what was it like moving there during a pandemic? Before we jump in, here are a few fun facts about Bangkok. Bangkok, known to locals as the City of Angels, is ranked in the top five hottest cities in the world. It's home to the world's largest market, Chattachuk, where you can literally get lost, and I have personally gotten lost in around 15,000 stalls. To say that they're royalists would be an understatement. Um, actually, if you go to any cinema or you know, kind of stage performance, the King's Anthem is always played before the show, and it's actually illegal not to stand up while it's being played. Bangkok is also one of the only cities in the world where you might see not only men's and women's bathrooms, but a third gender option, which is really quite representative of the widespread acceptance of transgender people. It's also one of the most visited cities on earth. Uh, In pre-pandemic years, numbers were as high as 20 million tourists per year, which kind of puts Paris and London to shame. So in the midst of all this hustle and bustle, I got the chance to sit down with Prue for a chat in their 11th floor apartment where she lives with her husband, Sid, and her delicious dumpling of a baby, Amara, both of whom may or may not pop in for a cameo during the episode. As always, please excuse any dodgy sound quality. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Woohoo. Okay. Yay. So, um, can you, like, tell me in a nutshell your journey with, like, living in Asia, Southeast Asia, and how you okay. kind of ended up here? Because you've really... When I think of you, I think of, like, my friend that lives in Asia. Yeah, So okay. like <laughs> exactly. Well, it was in 2014 that I first moved to Singapore, and then we spent six years there. there. And then in the, the start of 2020, we moved to Bangkok. And then even before that, when I was 13, we lived in Singapore for two years, totally separate to anything that came later. Um, so, yeah, I've had a pretty strong connection, so it would be, like, 10 years total living in Southeast Asia. 
I think the first one, the first move for me came to do with a relationship and then the second move was for my husband's job. Yeah. So unfortunately nothing too exciting, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, just out of interest, um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but how did you meet Sid again? Oh, well, that was a funny story. So I was on my way to do a an internship in Cambodia and he was as living... As you do. As you do. And he was <laughs> living in Singapore but working kind of in Jakarta on a project at the time. But he had a frisbee weekend in Bangkok. By Frisbee Weekend, Prue is actually referring to something called Ultimate Frisbee, for those of you that don't know. It's a non-contact, self-refereed team sport played with a flying disc Frisbee. It's played on a field with two teams competing. I've never personally been to a match, um, which I'm quite sad about, but apparently there's a lot of people who love this game, and Prue's husband, Sid, is a bit of a legend. He plays for the Singapore men's team and will soon be competing in the Masters World Championships, He's the former captain of the national Indian team and former coach of the Singapore national men's beach team, amongst many other accolades. How cool are my friends, hey? And I was in Thailand for your brother's wedding Mm. and then went up to the city to meet some friends from California who were like, hey, there's a Frisbee party weekend, of which I had never heard of Frisbee. I thought it was kind of cheesy, but I was like, you know what? When in Bangkok, just go to parties. Um, Then I went and happened to meet Sid there, but it was about a year later before we actually like reconnected which seems strange, but that was in the time of kind of emails and Facebook and mm. I'd like check on my unreplied emails and, and I responded to him and I happened to be going past Singapore and caught up with him and then it just kind of started. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, very unconventional. But also like the chance, right, of meeting him at this party randomly exactly. when you'd been in Bangkok for my brother's wedding. And that one night and we, we connected over accents because I had lived, as I said, I'd lived in Singapore when I was like 12, 13, and he was currently living there, and we bonded over this Singlish accent. And I saw, I just, my, it's like my little eyes turned into love hearts the moment he was like, oh, this taxi driver said to me once, can, also can, cannot, also can. And I was like, that is, that is just, you have me. I was yeah, just taken. Yeah. It was so good. Just a side note that Prue's life in Asia didn't just begin at a very cool frisbee party in Bangkok. It actually started much earlier when her parents decided to relocate the family to Singapore to pursue teaching jobs. They weren't the kind of expat teachers. They hadn't done that before. Like grew up in the Blue Mountains and then my dad was like, okay, it's time for a change and got a job in Singapore. I had two years there, but I went to a local school for six months, which was unusual because most international kids go straight to the international schools. Yeah. Uh, So I got a really good experience of the local system, of making local friends and then switched over. Yeah. Um, So that was also a big contrast because suddenly I was in this little bubble of of like Aussie kids being like, let's go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. <laughs> and before it was like, hey, we must get up and study, like study every day. And he joined the like hockey team. We had 6 a.m. trainings. It was just worlds apart. But I'm very grateful for both experiences. And then just back to Sydney after that. So a weird little blip that I think set me on the path of being like this, you know, so many different versions of reality can exist and you can go to a different country, make a home, meet people, and that is as normal as it was back home, you know. So now, like, you've been in Bangkok for how long? So uh, two years and, and a few months. So we came in just like the week that we got here. They were like, people need to wear masks on public transport. And I thought it was because of the pollution. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, because, you know, Bangkok does get pretty bad haze. Like a lot of um, the pollution comes in from the burning off up north. And I was mm. like, OK, that happens in Singapore, too. I'm used to that. Fine, I'll wear a mask. And then a friend was like, no, this is because of the 
COVID that was happening. It's here. It's, it's coming. You're not allowed on a train without a mask. And then that just freaked me out. And I was like, wow, what is this thing? Yeah. And no one back home knew anything of it. And I was t- sending pictures of me with like in the city with a mask on being like, well, this is my life now. You know, and then, and then it just took a turn. Yeah. So moving here, getting into lockdown, not leaving home for weeks and weeks, or maybe going to the rooftop, doing sunsets, going downstairs to our like tiny patch of grass. That was my first few months of Bangkok, which was completely unlike I was expecting or what, you know, an, an experience in Bangkok should be like, because yeah. it's known to be a crazy, busy party, kind of hectic, maybe in some parts a bit sketchy city. And there was just nothing. The streets were empty. You could hear frogs. Saturday night, and I'd hear this. I'm like, well, Saturday night in Bangkok, guys. (laughs) And uh, that was the highlight. (laughs) Surreal, really surreal. And so in that way then they went into full lockdown, did Mm. they? Yes, they had curfew. So no one was allowed out from like 10 p.m. to maybe 4 a.m. Any, every night for, I don't know, months it felt like. And then they had an alcohol ban. It started for like a week or two. Why? Why? We need Okay, so, so so just on a side note, as you know from all of our Insta stories, oh the only way me and most people got through this lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic was like not only drinking, but like drinking on pretty much oh it's a Monday night. Yep. Have a drink. Crack a drink. It's a Tuesday Get night. Cheers. Have a drink. What else are we gonna do? Where are we going? Exactly. So we'd, I think the government made an announcement and then we were like, ooh, we should stock up. But I did, we didn't modestly because I'm like, we don't drink that much. But if we're just at home and there's nowhere to go and nothing to do and no one to see, it would be nice to have a drink. I can see how that would be nice. Rooftop beers, cool. Um, and so we got like a couple of six packs of beers maybe and then like a couple of bottles. And then I found out later from – so I had made one Thai friend at this point and he was basically like – you know that like the government probably will extend it. And I was like, what? No, not without warning. Surely there'll be a buffer. And then in between, like the, of course we'd run out by the end of it, maybe, maybe a week or two. Then they're like, it's extended another two weeks. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I'm sure there would have been ways to find alcohol. The, yeah. Like side street, back street, whatever. Yeah. But because we were hardly going out, I didn't want to risk. There was already such fear about going out. Mm. I didn't want to go digging for like black market alcohol and possibly get caught being like, I just need yeah, a bottle of you wine. Know, you don't want to deal with Thai prisons. Exactly. From what I've heard. Or bribe, like Thai bribe police. Not that I also haven't dealt with that yet, but I've heard about it. So I just thought, you know what? We, um, water and lemon was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. I drank a lot of tea. So like forced sobriety for weeks into lockdown, in okay. this Thai lockdown. Okay. So that was like early, yeah. like pandemic. Yeah. And then it just kept going mm, mm. like it did for all of us. But I know in Europe, for example, Europe, you know, me living in Berlin, it meant that I could obviously for a while I was like, they closed the borders. Yeah. And that was hard because at the time I was in a long distance relationship. Oh my gosh, of course. With someone in Switzerland. And so I, I couldn't, so tough. you know, that was, that was really tough. But for you, like, yeah. um, how did it, you know, obviously you're from Australia, mm. but you've lived overseas for years, but you've got friends all over how was it like being, how did it feel being isolated here mm. in a city that you just moved to yeah. that you didn't know that well and you weren't able to like see people or, or connect or, or travel anywhere? Yeah, super weird. Oh, I should mention here that Prue is a mountain bike rider. That's right. She tortures herself for fun. There's a group called like the Bangkok Bike Hash Harriers, whatever. And they go out once a month and go cycling. And because I brought my mountain bike with me to be like, I'm going to make sure I keep cycling. That's important to me. I found this Facebook group. I posted, is anyone going to this first ride our first week before things had, had shut down? 
So there was a tiny window where I, I went out and he responded, I'm going, I can drive you there. And I met him, I met Jenny, Jay, Sarah, Rich, a whole bunch of expats who have been here for like 20 years riding bikes. They're teachers, they're all kinds of people. Um, but that's one weekend of riding isn't enough to be like, hey, besties, be friends with me. Yeah. But he was good because he managed to keep, he was my little contact, my little mm. friend who kind of was like a point of sanity and just like I could message him. So I had that connection of not being like, I don't know anybody here. Yeah. And he had this lovely Austrian girlfriend, but they were in Chiang Mai. So anyway, so there was that, right? And then I felt everyone else going through the different things, like different countries at different times had different, different rules. Le- yeah, and different mm. levels of intensity. The mm. friend in Spain mm. is like, this is insane. And Aussies were still like, I don't know, it's not here yet. And like, you know, getting drunk or whatever. But I'm like, but this is so bad, you know, and then they came b- bad. And then around July, things loosened up domestically because you weren't even allowed to get out of the province. You weren't allowed to go between provinces. Oh, shit. Okay. So if I'm like, I'll just sneak down to Phuket, like yeah. there'd be checks, there'd be people okay. on the roads. They'd okay. be like, where are you going? Why yeah. are you going? Yeah. Get into Bangkok. You're in a red zone. You cannot leave. Bangkok was a red zone. Yeah. Then, so you'd just be stuck there. And then by about, yeah, June, July, and that's where this friend pops up. He's like, come to Chiang Mai. Oh. And I was like, what? You mean get on a plane? And that was when I'd watch TV. If I watch a TV show and see people hugging, I'm like, oh, they're hugging, hugging. Everyone's so close. I couldn't understand what it was like to be close to people. So I, I, I had to put my like fear that had been completely in, like, in place for the last few months and go, okay, well, it is opening up. And he's like, come up, meet my girlfriend. We'll go riding. We'll do this. And we did it. We went up to Chiang Mai. When? Uh, in like June, July. Of the 2020. 2020. Okay. So domestically things opened up because mm-hmm. the government were like, okay, we rely on tourism. We can't get people in. Borders are shut. So you can do domestic tourism. Domestic. If you leave, chances were very slim to none of being able to get back. Right, right. So we weren't going right, to go right. anywhere. Um, and we had just moved to start like, you know, and Sid's work, the husband's work was going well. So he was settled. So why would we kind of put that at risk? Yeah. To yeah. be like, let's go home. Like, yeah. where is home? I don't yeah. know. So yeah, did some travel. And then there was a sale, Air Asia sh- sale, which was like, you can pay, I don't know, a hundred bucks or something. And you get an unlimited ticket all over Bangkok. You just pay taxes. You mean Thailand? Thailand. Thank you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and we, and so we bought one because Sid was like, let's see if it's a scam or not. And it turned out to be a bit scammy and crap. But because I was doing like freelancey, flexible stuff, I could go. So every few weeks, I would just book a ticket to a random island or go to somewhere. Yourself? And go by myself. I went oh. to Cosmet. I went to, I went to like Krabi. Oh. I went to Ra- yeah, all these different places where I just put a little backpack and sometimes I tried to take my like laptop and stuff and be like, I can work from Ireland, but then I end up being like, oh, let's just explore. And That's then so during cool. lockdown, everyone's like, oh, lockdown, I haven't been anywhere. And I was like, oh, I'm on the island again. <laughs> or like up north, out here, down there. And just did all this like local travel, empty, That's empty nice. beaches, no one there, empty resorts. I'd turn up and I'd be like, is anyone else staying here? They're like, mm, one man. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like just amazing, weird, surreal. Just, I have these amazing pictures of just empty beaches and then just me. Wow, <laughs> like, Thailand, like you'd never seen it yeah. before. And, you know, both of us have travelled around Thailand a bit before. And exactly. Like, I can't even imagine that. It must have yeah. been surreal. It's crazy. And strips of way, like, it'd be packed. Like, all the bars, all the restaurants just shuttered. No one there. Ghost town. Completely. And there, there was one bar open. And then there were two guys sitting in the bar. And I wanted to be like, what are you doing here? Like a fellow human, what's your story? Why are you here? Uh, yeah, Did you do sense. it? 
No, I was just like, ooh, ooh, and then I kept walking. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I think when there's less people, you feel, I don't even know, but there should be more of a sense of connection, but I was definitely like, oh, this is intense. Like, I just got to Yeah, just but also do my social thing. distancing. Social distancing, it's when still out still there. still very afraid of it. Yeah, um, so it's been a really strange year, year or two, you know. Well, yeah, that was 2020. So yeah. then um, what would you say are some of the, the quirks about living um, here outside of the yeah. pandemic context like like what are now that you're kind of in regular life oh oh, oh, oh okay hello hello come in I think this might be a baby yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're recording hello quick interruption to this podcast with a moment of gushing over Prue's incredibly cute child can I just ask why is it that friends kids are just so much cuter there's this <laughs> oh hi a baby Hi, Amara. Hi. 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 This is Amara. You going to have a cameo Bamba? on the podcast? Bamba? <laughs> Wait, you, you, you're actually dumping her? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have to start with her. Hi, Amara. Hello. Oh. oh. Is that it? How do you get noise out of her? And make noise. Hello. Oh. Oh my god, that's so funny. Um, so nice. Um, okay, so quirks. Bangkok. <laughs> this whole situation is a yeah. bit of a quirk. Having a husband work from home for two years, having baby at home, having help. But yeah, the, the main stuff I notice is like street life like moving around life, like where you kind of you go downstairs from your apartment and there's there's just life on the streets. There's, and maybe that's true for other cities, but I felt like in Singapore it wasn't so much. Mm. And in Sydney, if you're in the burbs, you have to get places. Like maybe you have your local shops and then you have the big mall and then you got to like maybe a strip of shops somewhere else. But there's not that same sense of like the life is on the streets. Like so, for example, yesterday I came out of my uh, building and there was the... Man selling pot plants, a whole tuk-tuk full of, full of plants. And I was like, well, that's nice. And then sometimes there's a banana and mango lady there as well to the right of our, our door. And then other times you, you walk down and the ladies who run the hairdressers are sitting on the streets and they're like, hello, baby. And like you say hello and you chat. And like it's just really nice to have this like sense of people are there and you see so many, like having this interaction the whole time is that it's just more alive. It's more vibrant. But then also on the, the, the other trick with the streetscape is that it's a bit more hectic mm. because there can be like a, dr- a half broken drain and then some kind of a pothole. And then I tripped on a rat that, you know, like you tripped on a what? <laughs> on a rat. <laughs> I was leaving a voice message. Was it? <laughs> I was like, la, 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 that was a rat. Like I literally like, stumbled and I was like, oh, that's a rat. Was it alive? Yeah, like running past me and then crossed it and I was like, ah, what was that? It was right under big my rat. <laughs> big enough to make me stumble under my foot. <laughs> and then it scampered off. I was like, gross. <laughs> so there's that. You can trip on a rat. But then <laughs> <laughs> you can also have like, I don't know, I think it makes you more, yeah, you're more aware, which is nice. Um, it's more vibrant. It's more dynamic. So there are power lines hanging, hanging down and they're like up and down left and right. And then there's like a tuk-tuk with all that chicken and smoke. And then the chili, sometimes as they're cooking, they'll like throw chili in the pot and you'll get a wolf and go, <coughs> and then like good coughing fit and like burning eyes. And like, you know, and that's just because they had this like tarp, tarpaulin up and some stick and thing. And you happen to walk too close and then like, but I kind of love that. <laughs> Some people might be like, oh my gosh. But I think I do well when there are more things going on. Maybe one out of 50 times I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And I just 
you know, I just want to kind of you have just, an easy you just, walk. You just want a path that is... <laughs> a smooth path, a paved path, where you don't have to, like, go from, like, road to gutter to gutter to road to pothole to, you know, five stalls of food. Yeah, I've come to love it. I've come to really love it. And then I go back home and then I miss it. Yeah, home. so that's funny. Like, I totally get those quirks because, obviously, I spent a bit of time living in Thailand. Yeah. Um, but, like, I haven't actually lived in Bangkok. Um, mm. But I know, like, even you taking me for a walk the other day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, <laughs> the first one? The hot, the hot. Yeah, can you describe, like, how that walk went in, the, in your own words? <laughs> well, also, I forget. I think because I'm how many years in, the, in, in being accustomed to humidity, sometimes what, what 100% humidity or just like crazy hot days and so I'm like yeah just take an umbrella it's hot you want to walk let's walk I'll take a few for a walk and then it's just you just get belted and with the heat and the there's no respite even when you stand under a tree you still sweat your chest your back your legs your like elbows the, the elbow crease parts you didn't know could sweat will sweat down behind your ears and so um <laughs> we'd already we'd started we we're on this like the bike path kind of shortcut which I thought was like it's green it's nice and you're like is there any kind of shade is it just this and uh it's challenging if you're not yeah accustomed to it and yeah. I, I see that now I think I need to be more sensitive in my um let's take someone for a walk kind of approach but even like it wasn't just the heat it was the urban planning <laughs> oh yeah and that yes yeah, so I'm even forgetting about that like you have to go um a full around a block that doesn't connect like you do a full u-turn of roads so you get back to where you could have been had they just put a road to the left so you yeah. go like right 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 all the way around come back on the on this weird huge slip road over a highway cross back over the street you were on on the path which is fully fenced up for safety but doesn't make any sense for like efficiency and connectivity mm. and then if you wanted to go back you'd have to loop all the way back down to the main road back up around when actually it's like three minutes it could have been a three minute walk and it's like 45 minutes yes because of the the poor planning or something like a city planning i don't know how it's come about i've never looked into it but i just think this doesn't make sense you look on a map and when you see where you want to go like the a to b and then suddenly like there's this giant house or an estate in between what should be i think it should be a nice connection (laughs) and then you have to uh yeah you get extra um mileage what about like um what are your pet peeves Mm. What would you say are some pet peeves where sometimes you're just like, fuck uh, this, I, I can't deal with it anymore? Okay. Well, sometimes it's the heat. Yeah. That just gets me because, um, especially in the first year, we were actually on the 15th floor, the top floor. Ah. And the heat there was insane. So even when you had the aircon on, I just felt like it. you're battling this, this, this you get the full sun exposure of the top and you're the top floor. Like, there's nothing really buffering it. So I would change throughout the day. Like, I'd sit here in bike shorts and, like, a swimmer top and I'd still be sweating. So I'd sit under towels and the towel would be wet and I'd have these, little, like, sweat seat towels that I'd have and just change them out. Or I'd have to change my full clothes because they'd be too wet. And Sid, my husband's like, just put on a fan because I don't forget to put the fan on. I forget, so I'd be like, it's so hot. <laughs> like that drove me crazy. But also, I was it was my own fault for not adapting, and I could have just blasted the aircon anyway. But I'm like, I don't want too much aircon. <laughs> like it's just Why? like dries you out, or it's like yeah. it's just so aircon bubble. I don't know. It's just a, that's oppressive too. So I just struggle and be like, yeah. And I just every now and then just put the shower on my legs and then get back out into sweat box. 
Um, so that was weird. And then I find this is completely my own fault, my own problem, where I haven't put in effort to learn Thai. Mm. And having living in a language where living in a country where you don't speak the local language is really tough. And I never thought that I'd get to a point where I would be kind of okay with it and accept it. Just like me in German. Yes. Terrible. Exactly. What the fuck? Like I know more Portuguese because I was mm. in Portugal, like. Uh, sorry, Brazil, like, let's say 12 years ago, and I love the sound of it, and I love mm. Brazilian music, and I just, you know, I, I have this natural thing where I was in Lisbon recently, and, like, I can understand a lot. I can read yeah. a lot. It's like a natural Amazing. kind of vibe towards language oh, means sure. that you just have that thing, yeah. whereas I had no, like, pull towards German, and yeah. I lived there for three years. You know, I lived in France for, like, not even a year, and I was fluent in Amazing. French. Oh my god. Because of the want and the and yeah. the and the, the, the love of it or something or the yeah. romance towards it. But like so yeah. how do you feel about Thai as a language? Because I know we've like for mm. me it's very much about do you love the language? Does it like do you have that give a fuck about yeah. a language to the point where you really want to invest in learning it? How do you feel about Thai? Well it's weird because I do. Like I, I wanted to. But then it's like, well, why didn't you? Why haven't you? And I have an easy excuse, like the lockdown stuff. So with Sid's job, they're like, you get two weeks of intensive um, immersion language class. And I was like, amazing. But then they're like, oh no, it's on hold because of COVID. Okay. And I went, oh, okay, well, you know, well, it's lockdown time. And then Sid was like, why don't you focus on Hindi? So that was my own fault. I'm in Thailand, but it's lockdown, so you can't do anything with Thai anyway. So I'm yeah. focusing on Hindi. So doing Hindi classes. Because he's... He's Indian. Yeah. And, and that's important to speak Hindi with the family and Amara. Yeah. Contextually, it makes sense. But then they go, oh, we're going to put... This is months later. They, they say he's... The language class said that we're going to move them to an online forum. And I just tried to do the first class online, but on a video. Yeah. So not live. Zoom calls. Just watch, no, watch your oh, own. Oh, like, put like on self. A yeah. And I just could not get through the first video. And then my brain was mixing up Acha and Dike and Hindi. And then I'm like, oh, it's Thai. And I just, it's like at this point now. You've got capacity for one. Yeah. Or... And even though I love the sound of Thai and the few words I do know, I take pride you do. in having. So if I'm in a hotel on the phone and sometimes they'll be like, so what do you car? And I'll go, so what do you car? And she'll start talking to me in Thai. And I'm like, no, English. And she's like, Oh, I thought you were Thai. I'm like, no, I just say one thing really well. <laughs> Honestly, I've seen the way people respond and you definitely, you're very good with the accent, the intonation, the, you know, you, you pull it off like perfectly. And I have like 10 words. <laughs> I can go um, like in a massage, bao bao, karuna, which is like softer, please. Like, nak nak, karuna, harder, <laughs> softer, great, harder. Great. Hong nam, bathroom, hong nam, hong nam naka. Toilet, that's toilet. Very good. Took about a year to remember. I'm like, Hong what? Hong what? I don't know why. Again, it's like no space. And that's it. (laughs) That's enough. But it's enough. I mean, mean, look. Mango, Mam Wang. Mam Wang. Oh, and Chubby, your baby's Chubby. Oh, Pumpui, Pumpui. Pumpui, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the word for baby. I just say baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like the thing is, though, it's what you prioritize. And I. Look, I've just left a country and I didn't learn the language. Yeah. Do I feel like a failure? Yes. Do I care? No. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And then that should actually filter back and go, well, then I'm not a failure because I don't care. And I think, let's say if Bangkok had been business as usual and, it, and those classes had happened and I'm like moving around the city more and just trying to figure it out, I may, I, I think that version of me, the non-COVID Peru would have gone, all right, yeah, Dive I'm in, in Thailand and let's do this. 
But then the COVID lazy uh, kind of apathetic brew was like, okay, oh, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. And that's it. Oh, well. You can get by. Yeah. Um, but have there been any like funny moments or like cultural kind of misunderstandings where you're like, oh my God, like just, just <laughs> yeah, a couple. But again, it comes back to, to my lack of um, tie. And then there can be a misunderstanding where like, you know, maybe you have an appointment somewhere mm. and then you have the first part of the appointment and then you say to the staff, okay, so we wait for the second part. Like we wait here and they're like, okay, wait. And then you wait and wait and wait. And then after like half an hour of waiting, you're like, this is too long. Let's check. And then you find out actually, no, there was no second part of the appointment. Somehow you misunderstood and somehow no one, no one like checked in on you and was like, why are you waiting here? And then... You just wonder about how this system works and how, we, yeah, like those kind of moments where you go, oh, and if I, again, this pet peeve back at myself, if I had a grasp of Thai, I could have asked or had it understood what was going on. So that comes back to me. And just little moments where I realise that not having Thai means I have to get out the Google Translate, which doesn't always work. Sometimes it's like put... So one thing was about the noodle. We're in a taxi and it had nothing to do with noodles. He's like, put noodle on thing. And I was like, the noodle? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what he was trying to say. Like, we couldn't work it out. But just moments like that where you go, I wonder what, what we were trying to figure out then. I don't know. Um, it's nothing to stand out. I guess also because we haven't moved around a lot in the, in the city. When things started opening, then I was like, I'm pregnant. And we were on the island for a while, like kind of living a really quiet life. And now it's been baby time. I'm just in this like weird baby bubble. Mm. Um, so I haven't kind of been put in situations where I'm like, whoa, this is going <laughs> like my usual, like, whoa, how am I <laughs> in this moment, you know? So where is home for you nowadays? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say here at the moment, but there's that longer term sense of home, like the bigger picture home. And yeah. And I think that would be Sydney because I, you know, grew up there, family is there. Just like Sid would say his home is India, mm-hmm. Delhi. Mm-hmm. But then whether we both have the same idea of what that means to us like his family are there but he said he doesn't he wouldn't ever see us going back to Delhi to make a life there whereas I feel like Sydney needs to happen like I never left Sydney to not be there I just came to Singapore to be with Sid and that just kind of went year after year after year and then the plan was never to go to Bangkok the month before we may have been going back to Sydney and that fell through and then Bangkok happened and it went from like on the same day on a it was like a, a Wednesday morning and we had to make a decision by Friday. He's like, fly to Bangkok today. This is from Singapore to Bangkok. And I was booking the Airbnb in the cab and trying to work it out and being like, well, we'll check out Bangkok. We'll see what happens. And then I made a weekend and I, I actually went as though I was viewing apartments as a potential renter. View, and I was like, it opened up how Bangkok would work. And then we moved to Bangkok. And so now I'm like, okay, so here is home. But it's more like that expat temporary home where you make it home. You feel a connection to the place. You've made friends and you understand how the city works but is it forever? No. Like, which place is, is Sydney even forever? I don't know. Like that sense of like, I don't know where we're going to really be or end up. Like, what if he gets a job somewhere? Or even me, what if I get, get my act back together and that is another opportunity. So it's kind of a blessing, as you know, like to have that open-minded view of 
where can I be? Where, where and why? But then also it could be a bit of a curse because there's so many, like, you can, you can make it work. You can make all these different options work. He was even looking at a job in Rio, which is so different from anywhere else. So I'm like, okay, go to Rio. Rio. I love Rio. Amsterdam. The company has an office in, like, there's Amsterdam. Amsterdam. And come then to Europe. Come to Europe, yeah. Why not? I mean... I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing is that we're so lucky to have these choices, to yeah. have these opportunities, and I'm... So grateful. Grateful, right? Like, yeah. that, that... I know it's cheesy, but, like, you know, just that gratitude that I try and practice yeah, all the yeah. time for this for this life. But it's also, as you said, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, completely. Because it's, it's like as soon as you move away from where your family are or where your mm. people are or where, um, where you're born or yeah. where you technically in your mind might think of as a long-term home mm. you're always gonna it's like you're everywhere and nowhere yeah yeah and I, I really had that sense when I was it was that 12 13 age and we were packing up from Singapore but we weren't going back to our original family home so I was like the Blue Mountains isn't home because they've sold the house Singapore's not home because we're leaving like, we're moving to the northern beaches. Is that home? Like, challenging this notion of home. Even though with my family was to get, well, except for my sister, we were moving as kind of a unit, but it was just this weird sense of, like, is Sydney home? Will it be home again? A new type of Sydney? Ugh. Like, and also, I don't know where I would go back to in Sydney. How would I build that up again? Like, is it home just because my family's there? Or because I ate so? And I guess expats do that, you know, and they go on the move for 20 years few years here a few years there and they just keep moving and I guess you have to balance that the heartache and the yeah um the weirdness of being away and then I guess when a pandemic hits it goes from like hey I haven't seen you for a few months to a few years which no one no one signs up for but then it is so like we're really lucky to have this life yeah but it's just a bit weird (laughs) Um, I agree I agree it's uh I don't have the answer yeah. And I don't think I think it, it it's it's a it's an ever changing landscape. Yeah. I think it's like sometimes like if like if you use the analogy of a mountain if you're like going on a hike mm. and sometimes you look back and look at how far you've come mm. and go, Wow and you can see the view and then sometimes it's cloudy and then sometimes you're like, Oh, this is too hard, I just wanna get to the top yeah. and then sometimes you're like, I'm just gonna have a break and enjoy where I am and yeah. it's like these different stages I think where you're like at peace with it and yeah. then at odds with it. Totally comfortable, yeah. not sad happy it's like up and down because we do you're choosing to add an extra layer of complexity and like philosophy to your daily life if you never leave home if like you know and i i know we we know we know plenty of people from our school our graduating year at our high school that stayed where they're from married the guy from high school had kids with the guy from high school lived down the road from (laughs) their parents and i think that's a normal inverted commas normal thing to do worldwide and it's like we have gone in the opposite direction. We've seen that and gone, no. Nah. No, thank you. And, and you, you had that blueprint. You had the blueprint from your parents, yeah. from the international life. I didn't have that blueprint. Yeah. But what I did have was this weird thirst to, like, get out and see the world. And I went on my first trip, age 19. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been, I've not stopped. Yeah. But wow. it's like, you have, if you have it in you, yeah. it's like this path that you choose to walk that is so beautiful and so incredible and so just... I think it's like living life to the full, but then yeah. again, sometimes I do envy people that stayed where they were. Yeah. Because that's just it. It's it's more straightforward, I guess, and you're like, this is home, and then you make the home, you make that version as well, like the tangible house, like people who 
you know, you watch them family buy houses house. and stuff. And I cannot for the life of me. It's going to sound like I'm 15 years old, but I, maybe that's where I stopped in my brain. Like, I cannot imagine having a home where I'm like, these. I know like you rent and you do it. <laughs> yeah. It's the same kind yeah. of thing. But also in Asia, most places come furnished. Yeah. Like we own this one couch. The rest is comes with apartments. Mm-hmm. And you just accept it. You go, oh, weird chairs. Okay. Like, oh, the bed's a bit clunky and like 10 shades of wood. Okay. Or for me, you know, and so I can't imagine being like, my home. Hello, welcome to my home where I've done like and you've chosen the, the curtains and the blinds and the paint colour. How do you pick a paint colour? <laughs> I just don't understand it. I, yeah. don't, I don't know how I could but ever live know, that life. But maybe it's like, no, I, the thing is that I, I haven't lived that. Maybe if you don't spend your time off discovering new places and languages and cultures and relationships and and, and, and all these adventures. Mm. Maybe you have more energy to focus on what's around you, therefore mm. time to look at paint swatches. Yeah. Therefore you really put emphasis on everything in your space being as you want it because that's your world. That's a good point. That's a, yeah, valid for sure. Because when you said that part of new relationships, a part yeah. of me went, oh, like, yeah, you've got to keep making friends. 35, coming here going, 35 years old, you know, making friends again. Hi, I'm Peru. Peru? No, Peru. Like, going through that again and again. Yeah. Like, it's enough to do that. Small talk. Small talk and then big Starting talk. Starting again. Commonality. Come over. Don't. Do we bring stuff? No. Like, just dynamics of people, mm. how it works. Making friends as adults. Are you fancy? Are you not? Yeah. Doing it again and again. And although I love the friends I make, there is a thing where that takes energy. Yeah, it does. And maybe the energy that people can use to make their place beautiful and just as they like it. I don't have that. Yeah. It's because it's going into all the other things, like not tripping yeah. on rats and <laughs> trying to work out, does this friend like champagne or Prosecco? Is she going to judge me? Yeah. I don't know. Shouldn't matter. You know, little things, big things, whatever. Yes. Or like calling your friend, me, yeah. um, when you needed to have it, when you were having a dinner party <laughs> and you figured out that they were fancy friends. <laughs> and the matching plates because we've moved so much and smashed so many and picked up so many along the way from friends who we would leave Singapore. They're like, oh, we're not taking a bunch of kitchen stuff. Do you want it? And I'd go, okay. So my kitchen is like a mishmash of just people who chuck stuff out as they left the country. And then to have a nice friend for, di- for, for lunch or dinner party. Calling lovely Annie advisor, help me pick plates. <laughs> I oh, I loved it. I loved help it. Help me pick napkins. I had no idea. See, okay. So never see, done it. See, my thing is that I think I'm a weird blend of like what we talked about being like that homemaker who's mm. settled and who never leaves and who like, you know, does the whole thing. And then like an adventurer who's mm. like on the road and you don't own anything and you rent and you don't mm. care about anything. I think I'm somewhere in between mm. because actually... I do travel a lot and move a lot and I've just like, for example, I've just moved to London. Uh, I don't have my own permanent place there yet. You know, that's a whole thing trying to find a new home. But like when I do get a place, I make it very homely and I do, I'm detail oriented with my home. Even if it's not my permanent space, even if I don't own the home, I still am like, make it into my nest while I'm there. I'm like a homebody, but on the go. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think you're more like, I think your style of travel when you used to travel a lot was a bit more like couch surfing, backpacking, campy, Ruffy, yeah. rough and tumble. Whereas I, I was a bit more like, no, no, like I get into a hotel room and I unpack and I, <laughs> and I put, I put on the robe, I put on the slippers. I like, I do that thing. I put my, I put my pajamas under the pillow. Like I'm very like settle in. <laughs> yes. Whereas I'm like, I could yeah, be out of the bag and not even notice for weeks. I mean, there was a place in India where we didn't, we had no way to put anything for three months, literally out of the bag for three months. So I got good at that.
I mean, if we're talking about you don't know where you'll end up or you're not sure what the next few years look like and there could be job opportunities back home or abroad, mm. two-part question, what do you miss about Sydney mm. compared to living in, in you know, um, Southeast Asia? And then what, what, how do you think your life now would be different in Sydney? Mm. Well, I think when you just said the what do I miss part, for sure it comes back to, like, the nature, the access to the beaches, the the way that especially like northern beaches, even like eastern suburbs, like that whole kind of part of Sydney just has these like, like the rock pools, the grass. You can just, you can make that part of your daily life if, if you're able to be within reason of it. And like thankfully, luckily, <clears throat> I had that experience living in like a uni share house near the beach and we went most days. So it was affordable, it was accessible and it was just so invigorating to have that. Um, to make that in, yeah, that would, that'd just be amazing. But then on the other side of that, you have like the traffic and Sydney and the, it's so sprawling and it's not really like city condensed, bam, here we are. It's all there. It's for me, it's, yeah. I mean, I guess it does depend if you're over yeah, where you live. So the nature, access to nature. Oh, and another part, of course, family. Like oh, that's yeah. kind of goes without saying that that's, yeah. I miss having, and not even long time friends, the friends who, but a lot of them aren't there. That's the other thing. Like me. Exactly. So, like, it's a different kind of friendship where you've known them since you were in high school or uni and even the friends who I live together who now have moved out, but they're still in Sydney. Like, that would be so nice to have them as part of my weekly, monthly kind of cycle, like seeing seeing people. It scares me because I don't know what my life in Sydney would be like. I don't, I don't know what that would look, how that would work. You know, and everyone's moved on so much that I don't have a place. I don't, I don't feel like I can slot back in. Friends who I managed to keep up with for the first few years, maybe it got less and less, you know? So even that is tough, being like, do I pick that up again? Do I make new friends? Am I now in this, like, baby club? Or, yeah, big question mark, which would be interesting to explore, but I just don't, I don't know. It's exciting. Who knows? Weird, isn't it? Yeah. But that's what I like, that you don't, we don't actually know and... If we catch up in it, you know, like next time I speak to you. Yeah, you know, that would be interesting. Like, so we moved back. But yeah, and also being okay with not knowing. I'm sure people, there'd be people who would be like, oh God, like, you don't know where you're going to be in a year or two. I'm like, mm, I guess here, but I don't know. And really just, I'm at peace in that space. It's kind of exciting. And like, well, I'll know when I get there. I'll know when it comes out. Like, we'll just make it work somehow. I feel like that's a really good life philosophy. Yeah. You'll know when you get there. I really hope you enjoyed this little glimpse into life in Bangkok. In the next episode, we'll be discussing Prue's experience of having a baby in Bangkok and all the quirks and perks of that pretty unique experience. Before I say bye for now, I'd really love it if you could rate, review and share the show. Also, please feel free to reach out to me on Insta if you have any travel stories or, you know, experiences abroad or anything that you'd like to share with me I'd love to hear from you see you next time bye